Good evening, everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you again for listening. I hope you're all keeping well and that you will continue to keep well. Be careful. Uh, tonight's uh, sponsor is in memory of Harav Binyamin Zev Ben Yosef Uperl, and it should be Lui Mishma Sam. And we should only hear good news one from another. And I thank you for the sponsorship. This week's parsha. <clears throat> um, deals mainly with Moshe Rabbeinu. This is really uh, last week's parsha, and this week's parsha, we get to know the greatest teacher that humankind ever had. The greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu, his supremacy. He's Av Kol Anavim. He's the father of all prophets. He's greater than any prophet before him and any prophet who came after him. The unique, one in a kind that occurred in human history. And there are many aspects to his uniqueness. But I want to discuss with you as a background before we get to the specifics of Moshe Rabbeinu, the idea of leadership generally. The problem with leadership and community responsibility is basically that it interferes with your personal life because of the fact that you have these uh, responsibilities, whether they be national, uh, community, synagogue, even business. You really are not doing the things that you want to do in life. You want to write the great novel. You don't have time. You're busy with other things. I always used to feel that when I was uh, very active in the American Rabbanus. So sometimes you have two, three, four rabbinic events during the day, engagement party, graduation, a wedding, God forbid a shiva visit. You come home at 11 o'clock at night, dead tired. And you look around at all of the books and the swarm that lay unopened, that you couldn't learn a word today. Or you look at unfinished uh, essays that you want to write. Or even people that you wanted to call to wish them well. And you couldn't. Because your role and your obligation as a public figure uh, robs you of those opportunities. There's a great Hasidic uh, fable regarding this. You know, there's no one that can tell uh, 
Hasidic fable as well as someone who is not a Hasid, right? I'm afraid that uh, within me, I am a Hasid a little. I have some Hasidic genes because my grandmother's uncle was the great Rabbi Tzodik Cohen of Lublin. But Hasidim uh, <clears throat> loves to uh, impart very important messages of life through the medium of stories, fables, exaggerations, imagination. You have to be attuned to that frequency. I would say what the Kotzker said that anyone who believes all the Hasidic stories, he said, is an idiot. But anyone who says that none of them can be true is not a believer. So the fable goes as, as follows. <clears throat> there was a very uh, wealthy uh, Jew who was traveling from one town to another on business. And he was supposed to arrive at the next town at the inn where he was supposed to stay overnight. And somehow the uh, teamster, the wagon driver lost his way and they never got to the town. And the wealthy man found himself in the middle of a forest And he had no direction as to where to go or what to do. And he decided, therefore, he had no choice. He would lie down on the ground and try and get some sleep. And uh, in the morning when the darkness would abate, he would uh, attempt to find his bearings and get to the town that he wanted to go to. And he did so. However, as he lay down, a robber came upon him in the middle of the forest and robbed him of his money. The man had a golden snuff box. In Eastern Europe, uh, you know, uh, we all know a schmecktabak. They had the snuff boxes in which they had the snuff tobacco. But today, uh, you, you hardly, rarely ever see this. But when I grew up uh, in my father's shoe, they would pass the snuff box around all the time. So he had a snuff box, but it was made out of gold. As befitted a man of his state, of his stature and wealth. And the robber took it. And naturally the man felt very depressed. While he was feeling sorry for himself and before he can go to sleep, 
a holy goat appeared. Now, in the Hasidic legend, there always is a holy goat. And the goat came along with the spirit, an angelic spirit. And the goat saw that the man was depressed and weeping. So he said to him, Rabid, what are you crying about? So he said, I was going to the town and I got stuck. And I ended up here in the forest and a robber came. And he took away the money. He said, well, the money, I have other money. But he took away my golden snuff box. So the holy goat said to the man, listen, you see the beautiful horns that I have on my head. With these horns, I'm able to push the stars into their constellations. I'm able to pierce heaven to get to the seventh and highest level of heaven. I'm going to let you cut off a piece of my horn. And out of this piece of my horn that you cut off, uh, whittle it to make a snuff box. And you'll see it will be more than a replacement for the golden snuff box that the robber took from you. So the man took out his pocket knife and he clipped off a little piece of the horn of the whole, of the holy goat. The goat disappeared, and he fashioned this piece of the horn into a snuff box. And he came to town, and then he came home, etc. And he noticed that the, from the snuff box there arose a heavenly fragrance and aroma. So much so that everybody gathered around him. And they said, where did you find something that gives you such sweetness that purifies the atmosphere, that makes it so special? So the... Hello? Yeah, no, I'm on a Zoom. Can I call you back? Sorry. So uh, the man uh, didn't want to be selfish and keep the secret to himself. So he told them, in this and this forest, between these two towns, there's a holy goat. And the holy goat has horns. And I cut off a piece of the horn and I made a snuff box from it. And you see how uh, marvelous it is. How it, uh, it affects everyone. So the people naturally heard that there's a holy goat. And so everybody went into the forest and got hold of the Holy Goat. And everybody clipped off a piece of his horn. 
so that they also had snuff boxes with a fragrant aroma that uh, made them attractive and purified the atmosphere. But eventually the Holy Goat had no more horns. And the Holy Goat complained that he could no longer reach the stars. He could no longer pierce the heavens. He was bereft of his horns. But everyone else that had cut a piece of those horns for themselves had the advantage of having these beautiful aromatic snuff boxes. In Hasidic legend, that's what the Rebbe said about himself. He was the Holy Goat. But because the Hasidim were on him day in and day out, everybody took a piece of him. They tell him they're Tsaris. I knew a Rebbe in uh, Brooklyn and Borough Park, very, very fine, really a very, very fine, wise person. And he told me, he said, uh, you know, uh, I said to him, you know, I said, it must be hard being a Rebbe. You got to keep such hours and everybody comes. And, and, uh. So he said, the hardest thing is that people come and tell them their troubles. But nobody ever comes back and says, you know, your blessing helped. The, 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 the sick person got cured. The poor person became wealthy. None of that ever happens. You only hear the source. So therefore, the Rebbe felt he was the goat without horns. He's a holy goat, but he no longer has the horn. He cannot reach heaven. He hasn't got time for himself. He can't pierce the heavens. He can't move the stars. And uh, anybody who finds uh, oneself certainly in the Jewish world, can certainly commiserate with this, can identify with it, because it's all-consuming. And uh, people make demands, and it's understandable. But then... uh, the Holy Goat eventually ends up with no horns. That's one side of the coin. There's always more to uh, the issue than one side. There are very few things in life that are black only. In our understanding of Moshe Rabbeinu, So we meet him first, when he's grown already, we meet him at the burning bush. So before we ask why the burning bush, what's the lesson of the burning bush? Kaviochel, the uh, angel of God, could have 
revealed himself to Moshe in myriad different ways. Why did they choose this bush? So the Torah itself says the reason. There is this burning bush, burning with fire. But the bush is not consumed. The fire that consumed the bush, the bush is still there. And Moshe says he notices that. And he says, Let me turn aside and let me look at this wonder. How come the bush isn't burned? How come the fire keeps on raging and the bush is not burned? So the Mephorshans say that that was a lesson that Moshe learned. The lesson of a great teacher, of a great leader, is that his fire can light a thousand other fires. But his fire is never diminished because of it. He never becomes the holy goat that doesn't have horns. Chazal say, ner lecha, ner If you have a candle that lights for one, it can light for a hundred. And the candle is not diminished thereby. Cannot say because its flame touched off other flames, therefore it is weakened. It's not. It's still in its full strength. So when the Rabboni Shalom chose Moshe to head the Jewish people, he told Moshe that this is your task. Your task is to light the hundred other candles, but your task also is that your candle should not be diminished. You should not become the Holy Ghost. You should continue to have horns that reach heaven reach the stars and pierce the heavens. And that becomes the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu carries the Jewish people. Kasher the way a mother carries a suckling child. But he still remains the Avkol Anavim. He still remains the person who gave us the Torah. He still remains the prime example of uh, Jewish leadership throughout the generations. And he remains Moshe Rabbeinu, our teacher. The Chazal said that idea <clears throat> Rebbe said, Mikol Nolanda Iskalti. Mitalmida Yosem Mikulo. I learned much from my teachers, but I learned more from my students. 
my students are the ones that have made me what I am. Any person in education that is true to the experience of teaching others eventually comes to the same conclusion that only by teaching others does one grow, does one achieve, does one become greater. And the Rabboni Shalom himself, Kaviochel, calls himself a teacher. God teaches us the Torah. He's the Rebbe in the Talmud Torah. He's the professor. He's the great Rosh Yeshiva. God's job is to teach us. So therefore, Moshe, by being Moshe Rabbeinu, becomes the greatest Moshe they could be. Because all of the Jewish people are involved in making Moshe great, in becoming his students, in learning his lessons. Well, there's a great danger in that. The danger is that uh, you look in the mirror and you say, wow, look at what I accomplished. Look how many people came to hear me. How many people read what I say? How many students I have? I'm the greatest. And uh, one of the enormous uh, challenges that I uh, always see in academia is the hubris that exists there. The arrogance. Look how much I know. Look at me. A lot of it has to do with the way they dress differently, too. It was avant-garde. I want you to notice me. Because I'm so great. I'm so smart. And that is a pitfall into which many, many great people have fallen. And that's one of the things that the Lord abhors, so to speak. I cannot stay in the same place with arrogant people. There's no room for me. Because in their arrogance, they fill up the whole room. The Kupsker used to say, where can you find God where you let him in? Some places and some people are so full of themselves that they can't let them in. So to them, he's not there. So therefore, the Torah has to come and tell us that Moshe never fell into that trap. Boish Moshe Onod Ma'od. 
Moshe is the most humble of human beings. Moshe is the personification of humility. And therefore he serves as the example of lighting a, a thousand candles but being humble about it. Of somehow uh, being able to put it into the proper perspective. And that was the perspective that he gained at the burning bush. That's what the bush taught him. The bush is the smallest, the lowest of plants. We would have thought you want to reveal to Moshe the giant redwoods or the sequoias or the cedar trees. The bush. And we find that by the Korban Pesach, that one of the ingredients you need is the Agudas Ezov, the small little twig. And the same thing in the purification process in the Beis Amigdash of people. You always need the Agudas Ezov. You need that little twig, a little piece. The gigantic tree is not going to do it. That is such a significant lesson. So this is what makes Moshe Rabbeinu so special. This is what uh, makes him uh, the uh, great prophet of everything that came before him and everyone that will come after him. O come be Israel, come O come be Israel. And nobody else like him. Nobody else was able to have that perfect balance. Nobody else was able to retain their horns, so to speak, and yet provide everyone with the great aromatic, attractive snuffbox. And therefore, from here on in, in the Torah, there'll be uh, a few places in the Torah where Moshe's name is not mentioned. The Tzaveh, uh, later on, there are questions whether it's mentioned in that place in foreign. But anyway, but otherwise, Moshe Rabbeinu is on the present. He's always here. Vaidaver Hashem Moshe, Vaidaver Moshe Obnei Yisrael Emor. Moshe is always present because Moshe is our teacher. One of the lessons of education is consistency. The teacher should show up every day. It's a cumulative effect. Jewish people benefit not from the one-time great appearance of Moshe. They benefit from 40 years of Moshe, day in and day out. That's the greatness that propels him. And that's what makes him what he was. And what he is. 
that explains for us, in a minute way at least, why Moshe is so unique and why the Torah therefore details for us so much about him and makes him present throughout the Torah because of the greatness and humility that's combined in the extraordinary figure of Moshe Rabbeinu. So I want to thank you all for listening. I wish you a good month and uh, Shabbat Shalom. Please stay well and take care of yourselves. Kol Tuv Selah.